On today's episode of Double Down Trent, we are talking Game of Thrones. Season 8, the last and final season, is premiering this weekend, and we're breaking down all the major storylines. We're giving you the odds on who's going to die first, who's going to inherit the throne, and then we're making some ultimate predictions for some of our favorite characters like Jon Snow, Sansa, Arya, and the rest of the gang. So stick around for a full, in-depth view of Game of Thrones. It goes without saying, major major spoiler alerts ahead so if you haven't seen the show or you don't want to have anything ruined for you this is not the episode for you but if you have seen all of it and you want to know what we have to say and who to bet on stick around for episode 25 of double down trend Double down Trent, you might want to tune in Talking gambling and sports, predicting who might win Pop culture to movies, let's start up the combo Ryan and Aaron, man versus the motto Keep it authentic and it's always live So competitive, so you know it's always hype Make sure you subscribe, trust you don't want to miss Going all in here on Double Down Trent Hey, yeah, Double Down Trent, let's go This is Double Down Trent Welcome to Double Down Trent, the podcast where two elementary school buddies are talking sports, gambling, and pop culture. My name is Ryan. I'm your co-host as always, and I'm joined once again by my buddy Aaron. Now, Air, Game of Thrones, how many episodes have you seen? One. One. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) One. It was the first one, and it was years ago, and I don't remember a single freaking thing. Hey, but you know what's good about this? The model is pure. The model is not swayed by your thoughts. The model is crunching the data. Absolutely no bias here. I'm just coming. I'm a blank slate. I'm ready to be molded and uh, use the little data. (laughs) I love it. So what we're going to be doing, uh, there's really two big bets that you can make uh, out there on pretty much any sports book that's taken the action. Uh, We are going to do the odds to inherit the Iron Throne and the odds to die first. So season eight's got a lot left to answer, a lot of characters who are likely going to meet their ultimate demise, and we're not sure who's gonna inherit the throne at the end. So what we're gonna do, we're gonna give you uh, a bunch of people what their odds are. I think we're gonna narrow it down to the ones that seem the most realistic. Um, we'll, we'll read you everybody's. Um, and then we're also gonna move on to odds to die first. So before we do that, Air, if you had a gun to your head, Odds to inherit the throne, who would you pick? Well, gun to my head, I'd pick the favorite, which is Bran Stark. Bran Couldn't even tell Stark. you if that's a guy or a girl. Beautiful. Love it. Just give me the numbers, baby. So Bran Stark is the favorite to inherit the throne. He's sitting at plus 150. What does that translate to from the model standpoint? Hi, about 40% implied probability that he will take the throne. Wow, 40%. That is high. Holy shit. That's 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 surprising to me. And I will say, so the, I mean, I'm already jumping there. So sorry. So in second place, the second likely to win, Jon Snow, he's at plus four hundred, which is only twenty percent. Now that seems a little low to me because Jon Snow, I think people would would give as the consensus as their you know like hero, the person they're rooting for the entire show. Um, I, you know, the one thing though is is. He's he, he you know he might he might die I mean he might be dead but 
plus 400. I think that's my pick. I think I would take Jon Snow. Uh, actually, no, 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 I'm not. I'm not taking Jon Snow. Plus 400. Ooh. I'm not taking audible. Well, yep. audible last second. Last second audible. Good thing I didn't lock that pick in. Uh, I'll reveal mine in a second, but give me uh, the next highest one, which is Daenerys Targaryen, yep. aka Khaleesi. Again, I have no idea if that's a male or female. That is plus 450. That is right around 18%. Plus 450. Now, that is a female, Amelia Clark. She's fantastic. Um, throughout the entire show, she's kind of she's kind of been the one campaigning to inherit the throne. Uh, she's done the most, I think, to deserve the throne. Um, that would be the safe money. I think mm-hmm. if you're a safe gambler, you know, plus four fifty is 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 uh, you know pretty good in terms of what else is on the board. And given everything that she's done in the show, that looks like a safe bet. But again, not my bet. All right. Well, the next person in fourth place right now is at Sansa Stark. Is at plus eight hundred, which is right around eleven percent to take oh, the throne. Eleven percent. Now, Sansa, Sansa, you call it tomato, I call it tomato, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> um. This is my dark horse. I'm betting Ooh. that I would pick it at plus 800 because I the, Sansa is either going one of two ways. She's either going to inherit the throne or she's going to die a tragic early death in this show. There's no in between, I think. At least that's my opinion. So that's my bet, plus 800. Well, do you think there's some strategy there? I know we're not going to get there yet, but odds to die first. Do you think that she's a dark horse down there that you might want to take given some decent odds. Yeah, she be, I'd be throwing money all over Sansa, but yeah, we'll we'll get to that. <laughs> all right, so our next uh person to inherit the the throne is the Night King at plus 1000. Now, yep, what does that right, translate to? Right around 9%. Whoo, baby. Now, that's also the same odds though for Tyrion Lannister. So, 9% for those guys. I have a a theory that I think a lot of people have that the Night King is just going to inherit the whole thing, that everyone's just going to die and the Night King takes over. So plus a thousand, nine percent. I don't hate it. I think if you want to be the cynical out there, that's a bet to put down. Now, some honorable mentions that we are not going to discuss uh, Peter Baelish plus twelve hundred. Now, that would be a really interesting one because his character's dead. <laughs> Arya Stark plus fifteen hundred. Don't hate that. Gendry plus fifteen hundred. Nah. Now, this one is intense. Cersei Lannister plus 2,000. She's really low. She's got the throne right now, so I don't think people are going to you know, assume she's going to keep it. And then the last one is Jamie Lannister plus 3,000. So those are the board. Those are your picks. Uh, my money is on Sansa. All right. Can I ask what the heck is the Iron Throne? Yeah, you can. It's the freaking throne. That's what it is. Uh, the person who inherits the Iron Throne rules the entire land, rules Westeros, the Seven Kingdoms. And is this typically done through warfare or like politics or how do they get it? Oh, man. Politics? <laughs> what kind of show would this be if this is all about politics? <laughs> there is a lot of politics. There is a lot of you know positioning themselves, but it's all war, baby. These people are dying. That's why the next segment we're about to do is Odds to Die First. So All right, let's jump in. Let's jump right into it. Now, there's a lot happening here. There's a lot of people who are probably going to die. In typical Game of Thrones fashion, the people you really are attached to are probably going to die. So the heavy favorite here, you're on Greyjoy, plus 145. What does that look like? That's right around 41%. And I'm wondering if there's a cliffhanger from last season that made him or her the favorite. Yeah, he's he's a punk. He's an intense guy. 
Uh, he's coming. The whole Greyjoy family, actually, as you can see on the odds here, the next highest is Yara Greyjoy at plus 300 and then Theon Greyjoy at plus 500. So uh, what are the Greyjoys looking like? The other two there, plus 300 and plus 500. Yep. So plus 300 is right around 25%, and then plus 500 is right at 17%. So they're all up there. Um, the Greyjoys have a big battle coming up, I think. So I, I think it, it makes sense for one of them to die. I would pick actually Theon. Theon's been in the show a lot. He's had a really – he went from a villain to kind of a hero to kind of a sympathetic figure. He had his manhood sliced off. That's no Oof. good for anybody. Oof. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he's kind of redeemed himself. It wouldn't surprise me if he was the first one to die. I'm going to put – you know, I, I wouldn't – you know. I don't, I don't like, or I don't dislike putting money on plus 500 there for Theon. Now, can I ask a really dumb question for a second? Sure. Absolutely. Now there are actors in the show who have taped these scenes. They know what's going to happen. There are producers who know what's going to happen. There's a lot of people who are stagehands who knows, knows what's going to happen. Why don't these people bet these odds and just nail it? Now that is a phenomenal question because those are all actors, producers, whatever, who are no longer going to be collecting a paycheck from this show. This seems like easy fucking money. I mean, I'm sure there is stuff in their contract that says they can't reveal who wins and who loses. But mm. as anyone who's ever operated in the shadows know, you get somebody to make the bet for you. Like, how hard is that? I'm really starting to question your morals there, Mr. Man. Whoa. whoa, whoa. I'm just saying <laughs> I've seen enough mob movies. Okay. You need a fall guy. Everyone knows it. Chris Carter knows it. <laughs> Uh, okay, so then now we start coming into some really uh, some some big high characters, yep. some high ups, some people that we have uh, come to know, love, and or hate. Um, so next up is Cersei Lannister, plus six fifty. What does that look like? Thirteen percent. Now I would be really shocked if she was the first to die because she is a badass lady. I think you know everyone. She she really is one of the best villains I think in the show. Um, I would be really shocked if she goes early in, in, in the first episode. So I don't think he, he can even consider that one. Now we're, we're back. We, we teased this. The next one up here is Sansa. Again, now she's at plus 1,000 to die for first. What does that look like? Right around 9%. And based on what I heard you say earlier, that to me is something that I would be interesting to look at. Yeah, it's a it's a dark horse for sure because I, again I don't think her her arc is her arc is going one way or the other. I don't think she's just going to kind of be sitting on the sidelines at all. I think I think she would be the most devastating person to be killed off first, with maybe the other exception being her sister Arya, who is at plus five thousand to die first. Um, either one of those would be a tough pill to swallow. But Game of Thrones has done this. This is what they're known for is throwing these curveballs. So Sansa at plus 1,000, I like a lot. I put some cash down on there. Now, we did Arya at plus 5,000. I know we're jumping up and down here, but what does that translate to? Yep, that's right around 2%. Yeah, I don't think she's going to die first, so I wouldn't even touch that one. Um, and then one that I would not also touch is Daenerys. She's at plus 3,300. I will say the last person you have on this list is Jon Snow at plus 10,000. Yep. So that's right around 1%. Is there any chance that he's going to be uh, the first to die? Listen, I, I don't think so. And obviously I've thrown on a major spoiler alerts to this podcast before listening it. He's died already once before and was resuscitated. Oh. I would be shocked beyond belief if he died in the first episode. Just Especially if he was the first to die. I yeah. would be shocked. So don't touch that bet, guys. Just just save your money. 
So will you just reiterate for me, because it's a little unclear, who are you going with in this section, odds to die first? Odds to die first. Uh, so my I'm at, I actually think it's going to be Theon, so I would bet him at plus 500, but my dark horse is Sansa at plus 1,000. And then will you remind me when the show is coming out so we can actually loop back with you and see how you did? Yep, it is this Sunday, uh, Master's Sunday, so uh, it's upcoming, I think, what's that, the 14th? Yes, April 14th. And then for your odds to inherit the Iron Throne, who is your Odds pick? to inherit the throne, I've got Sansa as my dark horse. And I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to take oh, I don't know, Jim. I'm doing my Tony Romo voice. <laughs> um Oh man, I'm between Bran and Daenerys. I'm taking I'm taking Daenerys. Oof, okay. Yep. I think it's been building to that. I would. Uh, that's my. That's what I'm betting on. All right. And there's going to be, you know, what? How many episodes in the seasons? We won't know that until the end. I think there's only six episodes. Okay. So yeah, that one's gonna. That one we can't pay off right away. But yeah, obviously, if you bet and people are died off, you're gonna lose your pick. So um, I'm really interested to see what happens. So um, those are the odds. Hope everyone wants to put a bet down. Um, stick around. We got some good topics that we're going to discuss. We're going to really jump into some plot lines and uh, some predictions as to what we think is going to happen in season eight. So stick around. The realm. Do you know what the realm is? It's the thousand blades of Aegon's enemies. A story we agree to tell each other over and over till we forget that it's a lie. But what do we have left once we abandon the lie? Chaos. A gaping pit waiting to swallow us all. Chaos isn't a pit. Chaos is a ladder. Okay, and now for a really exciting segment. We are talking Game of Thrones. So we just gave you the odds that myself and Aaron are going to be doing. We welcome on two special guests. The first, Coulter, recurring guest who broke down our True Detective segment with us. So welcome back to the show, Coulter. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to doing a little Game of Thrones breakdown. We got a lot to cover, and we've got a new guest. Welcome to the show, Franny. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. We've got a lot to discuss, guys. Um, there's probably more conspiracy theories, thoughts uh, about this show on the internet than any other show ever. So we've got a lot to digest here. Uh, Coulter, I'm going to start with you. We are going to go over the odds to inherit, inherit, inherit the Iron Throne. (laughs) So without going through all the odds again, give us who you think will be sitting on the throne by the end of season eight. I think I'm going to go with the biggest favorite in Bran Stark. And it's, not because he has any interest in actually ruling Westeros. I don't think he does, but I, he's almost like a twofer. So you're getting good value when you're taking Bran here, because obviously one of the theories is that he can war in with the night King. So if the night King triumphs, you know, I think there's value in having Bran slash the night King or Bran as the night King. So you're basically getting two characters for one. Uh, he also seems like this character that, they easily could have killed off. I mean, if you think about it, they killed off Rick on, they've killed off other characters uh, and they've kept him around and they've given him a big purpose, you know, and, and 
The other thing too is let's not forget that the premiere, the pilot of the uh, series, he's the one who falls out the window, and that's how the first episode ends. So there's some symbolism I think there, him falling down the tower, breaking his back, and then kind of rising to the top and being king. Um, other than the symbolism, I just like uh, the fact that he's favored it. I think Jon Snow is too obvious. I will want to. I do want to point out here. He was a favorite of plus one fifty when you put this uh, Google spreadsheet together. His odds have actually gone down or up, I should Whoa. say. So he's now two twenty. So whoever is betting on this, which is a degenerate move in my opinion, <laughs> <laughs> let's just clear the air on that. But we should study this because it's fascinating. He is now a little bit more uh, less likely, I guess, to inherit the throne than he was this time at the beginning of the or last week, whenever you put this together. So the one fifty is yeah, it's gone to two twenty. John has oh. gone from four to one to three fifty, and now Sansa is actually five to one. She is third above Danny. So there's oh. been some line movement. And then my dark horse, uh, as I had pointed out, was uh, Gendry. He's actually fifth now. So he's skyrocketed from 15 to one to seven to one. He's like Yorgos Lanthimos at the Oscars. He's, he's climbing up the chart here. <laughs> I think we, we should, we should let the listener know uh, exactly what happened with the Oscars. So you and I were texting and we saw massive line change. Go ahead and tell the story here. Cause this is fascinating. This, it was single-handedly the most crazy pop culture slash betting thing that's happened. I think of all time. I mean, I, I will never be able to see one of those guys, that guy's movies without thinking about, him going from 50 to one to two to one odds uh, for best director at the Academy Awards. And this, this was happening over a four, four or three day window, but it really happened on Sunday at Oscars. And it was just crazy. It was taken off the board. And so a lot of line movement, uh, I guess the information was false though, as Alfonso Cuaron actually won the director award at the Academy Awards, but Yorgos Lanthimos went from 50 to one to two to one. So anytime Anytime I see line movement like that in anything, whether it's pop culture or sports uh, or any futures, I'm just going to think of Yorgos. So, you know, Fucking I see, Yorgos. I see a little Gendry has moved from 15 to 1 to 7 to 1. So he's, I think, the Yorgos here, if not maybe Sansa Stark, because she's now 5 to 1. She was 8 to 1 earlier on. So a lot of line movement, which is intriguing. I, I actually just pulled it up. So you're catching Very my reaction. Interesting. Yeah, you're catching my reaction to this pretty, pretty much on the spot, which is uh, – a fun way to do it. But yeah, those are my two picks. Brand would be the uh, favorite. I think you get value with the two for one. And then you get uh, Gendry. He was 15 to one. I love those odds. Now he's seven to one. But I think uh, similar to Brand, they kept this guy around. And they brought him back. Why did they do that? You know, this is a character. This is a show that has 24 char- main characters. Why is Gendry in the final season? So he's there for a reason, I think. I think he's kind of the, uh, the launch shot special. But now he's actually no longer as much of a long shot as he was a couple days ago. Yeah. Excellent points. Uh, all right. So good to have you now. So, uh, Franny, first off, welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, now let's get your thoughts here. Who do you think is going to be sitting on the throne come the end of season eight? Yeah, I think I agree with Steve. Um, I think Bran is my top choice or who I think will ultimately end up there. Um, I like the two for one with the whole like night King aspect. Um, but I think Bran as a three-eyed kind of brings in like a whole other, maybe it's not sitting on the throne per se, but just kind of like a higher being almost, if that makes sense. Ooh, I don't know. Okay, I get the trippy. I like it. 
the super, uh, the super, the supernatural has always played a role in this show too. I mean, the first mm-hmm. shot of the series is beyond the wall. So it's like, you have to factor in, you're right. A little three eyed Raven, a little sci-fi element could end up tying the show uh, mm-hmm. together at the end. Okay. And who's your dark horse for any, I don't know if I have one. I take. I take. I like it. One, I don't necessarily know what that means. I have no idea. (laughs) Hey, we've got you on for your pop culture expertise, not your gambling expertise. So Dark Horse is somebody that you don't think is necessarily going to win, Mm -hmm. but it wouldn't shock you if they did. So, like, for instance, I picked Sansa as my Dark Horse. Like, Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, I don't think Sansa is going to end up on the throne, but it wouldn't shock me if she was. Uh. Um, you don't have to have a dark horse. Yeah, I don't. You stand by Brand. Hey, Brand. All right. I actually have one other dark horse who's not even on the board, and this has been a theory I've been actually spouting for a couple seasons now, and everyone thinks I'm crazy. Now, on the odds, they have John and Daenerys's baby, which makes sense, seeing he's royal blood. But there's something about Gilly and uh, Sam's baby. Uh, the fact that it's this bastard from beyond the wall, I, I don't know. I, that baby is going to play some sort of role. I mean, <laughs> might not inherit the kingdom, but a, similar to everything else I said about Gendry and Bran, why have they kept Sam and uh, Gilly around and this child around? Yeah. That, that child has some sort of role repopulating Westeros or something. I will stand by that. This is my like pop culture brain. All I hear, like when I hear the name Gilly, all I think of is the Saturday Night Live skit with Kristen Wiig. And they're like, Gilly. <laughs> and I see Kristen Wiig's face. It's brutal. But yeah, I do agree. They're, it's weird they keep that character and the baby around that long. So I, 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 I'm not going to call it crazy, but I would, I, that's a stretch if, if you're no, at- I mean, it's not even on the board, so it's obviously yeah. a stretch. And th- there's actually one other person who's – it's so ridiculous that he's not even on here. But he's – the hand of the king right now is Kyberd. He's not even on the odds mm-hmm. list. So there's, there's I think, 38 names on this thing, and Kyburn is not one of them. Yet he is literally second in command in all of Westeros to start the season. So I think that is – Maybe baby Interesting. Sho- shoving it down our throats. Who knows? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> just trying to Kyber take your money. Kyber for king. Who knows? He's the, <laughs> by the way. He's the he's the doctor that repaired uh, Jamie's arm when he got his hand cut off, and is obviously the he's kind of been Cersei's uh, whipping boy since he's got the king's landing. Nice. He revived, okay. he revived the uh, mountain too. I should say. <laughs> Okay, so next let's go odds to die first. There's a lot of people on the board. I, I do think most of these people are ultimately going to die, period. Um, but this is who's going to die first. So, Coulter, take it away. Who you got for first to die? First to die. I love Theon Greyjoy. And uh, similar to what we just went over, Theon was 5-1 to one when we put this list together. He has actually gotten even juicier odds now. He's 750. Uh, Whoa. So- I love this, uh, the 750 play right here. Uh, this is a show that keeps bringing back people when they're dead. Jon Snow is obviously the most noticeable or notable person. Why has Theon been kept alive this long? He brings really nothing to the show. He's so wimpy. I think if you're, lo- <laughs> if you're looking at the odds, uh, his, his uh, uncle Euron and his sister Yara are the two favorites. Why is he not right up there with them? So clearly the, the you know the odds are showing that the great joys are the ones who are gonna go first. I would totally agree with that. And if yeah. if you could if you're getting better odds with Theon than Yara and Euron, 
perfect. I mean, Theon just seems right to go in the first or second episode. End of the first episode is Theon's death. I can totally see that being the cliffhanger. It's like, here's this character we've been with for eight seasons, and he just gets killed. I don't really know how. Let's just say it's by White Walkers. And we're done with him. I mean, Yara, we don't, I don't even know if we'll see Yara again. And Euron seems like he's on some sort of weird expedition where I don't know if we'll see him in the pilot either. Theon we're going to see, and I think he's going to die. Yeah, I'm surprised he's been around this long too. Like once he helps Sansa, like that should have been the end of his character. So right. I like yeah, that. I feel like, I feel like they wimped out. They really should have killed him off then. Right. Uh, okay, Franny, who you got for Odds to Die First? I like Theon as the first to go, um, but I think I'm going to go with Euron. Ooh, okay. Yeah. I think they're just going to be like, all right, you don't really add much. Bye. Yeah. He was a little addition. Yeah. He came on the show kind of like later in the seasons. Mm-hmm. Again, yeah, he, he doesn't serve much of a purpose besides being like the anti guy that you're rooting for. And like, he's powerful. He's a villain. He's mm-hmm. very good at being a villain. But all three Greyjoys, like, there's a reason I think they're all the top three favorites to be killed off first. So I think it's just a matter of who's going to do it. I'm going to save this discussion for later when we talk about the ultimate fates of the characters. But I got Sansa as my dark horse because Sansa to me is going one of two ways. And, and she's either going to have the throne or she's going to die first in some tragic, horrible way that's going to scar the viewers. <laughs> I, I actually, I, I hate to keep doing this, but Sansa is your ghosting here. She was 10 to 1. And now she's all of a sudden three to one. So, right. So something, whether the betters know something or the showrunners or something is leaked, she has skyrocketed to third favorite to die first. So clearly something has been leaked where people know something about Sansa. I, I could definitely do that. I think especially in like the trailer, she's saying Winterfell is yours, yeah. your grace, yeah. to Danny, And yeah. that's what Ned said to Robert Baratheon and then he got his head chopped off. So now like maybe Sansa, maybe she'll be the first to go. Wow. Deep breeding right there. I like that a lot. Well done, Brandy. (laughs) They call that mining the internet. for. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So those are our picks. Um, Now we're going to get down to the nitty gritty. So we're going to start is uh, with a, a fun fan theory that's floating out there. Um, and Franny, I'm gonna let you take it away here, but basically it is the, the fate of Cersei and one of our favorite characters. So why don't you go ahead and explain, uh, this popular theory? Yeah. So there's popular theory about Arya and her list of victims, basically that she's going to kill based on the wrongdoings that they've done to her friends and family. Um, so one of the popular theories is that Arya will assassinate Cersei um, using Jamie's face or some other disguise. Now, the Hound is also on her list, and so I think there's been kind of a buildup amongst fans wanting some kind of showdown between the Hound and his brother, the Mountain. So they're saying that the Hound will ultimately face off with his brother while Arya is killing Cersei, Ooh. disguised as... Jamie or another character. That's like a two for one right there. Mm-hmm. I like it. I, so the, we'll, we'll get to the faceless men, I think in a little bit too, because Arya has been using that and she's kind of, you know, started taking people off her list. Um, I, I like that idea because 
I don't see a world where Cersei ends up on the throne. Like Arya to me is like the, the most pure, I guess, or like, I'm not, that's not the right word. She's not the most pure, but she's, she's like had better than Sansa, if you will. So I, I can see her ultimately enacting her revenge by using the faceless men and lopping off Cersei's head. I like it. This is a show that thrives on revenge. So, uh, and, and she is the uh, kind of def- definition, a definitive character of revenge. And so her arc definitely makes sense. And going back to the odds though, too, I love Jamie Lannister at 12 to one as the first character to die. Similar to Theon, it seems like he's escaped death or at least is, has stretched out his fate several different times in, along the show. And uh, without his hand, I don't see how he really can add value as a fighting presence to against the the dead and uh you know his stature as the king slayer is important uh and i think that could factor in but i love the value of him being the first to die and it really ties nicely into that theory if he goes early uh you know you get good value at 12 to 1 and, and then we and then we're off you know she has his face and then she can go kill cersei and I think everybody's on board for that plot line to happen. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like it, it works out for the fans and it works out for the odds. And I, Jamie, as much as I love the character, he's so rich and we'll talk about him in a little bit, I'm sure. But I do love the uh, I do like the theory and I like the odds of him going first. Yeah. All right. I think that we're all on board for that one. That'd be good. Especially picture that as the, the opening episode. We get mm-hmm. all that happening in one episode. I'm on board. I'm telling um, you right now, I guarantee something, someone dies in the first episode. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's a lock. I mean, they took two years to get here. They're, they've got to do something major in the first episode to get everyone talking again. Um, okay. So now we're going to move on to. They, they got to hit the, the, the lead off home run. Oh, go ahead, Coulter. Sorry, man. No, it's okay. I was just saying they got to hit the lead off home run. They got to step to the plate. And right, gotta, gotta, the yeah. You got to set the tone early. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, all right, so now we're going to do a few burning questions. Uh, this one to me is juicy, and I feel like we could add even a third name to this, which maybe we will. Who knows? Keep you guys on your toes. <laughs> um, so the question is, whose death was more satisfying, Jari or Ramsey Bolton? Franny, why don't you start for this one? Yeah. So for me, I think Ramsey's death was more satisfying. Just because he was so sadistic and so evil that I'm like, I'm I'm glad you're gone. Yeah. And I think I love that scene where Sansa is just like walking around or walking away and she has that like grin on her face. I'm like, yes, girl. Yes. Yeah. That one was intense. Uh, Coulter, who, who you got in this one? Yeah, to Fran's point, I love the that they with Ramsey's death, you get a nice little bow on it. You know that Sansa's the one who ultimately ends his life. Whereas with Joffrey, you see him die and he's coughing up the poison, but you actually don't get a resolution on who did it until this past season, season seven. So it's yeah. almost it's stretched out over a three more seasons. Um, and I think if you you read it, you have to do it by by episode. And so Battle of Bastards uh, compared to the Line in the Rose. I think Battle of the Bastards is the better episode, only by a smidgen. But, you know, if you think of weddings and you think of Game of Thrones, you're going to go with the red wedding over uh. the purple wedding. So by default, the purple wedding is already a it's a tier below the other w- wedding episode. And it's just a tier below Battle of the Bastards for me. Um, and I also think, to Fran's point, too, Ramsey killed his own father. Like, what a bastard. <laughs> <laughs> like, he is, you know, as bad as... I'm not going to stand up for Joffrey. He's such a pompous ass, but I mean, 
his death was satisfying, but Ramsey killed his own dad. He committed fratricide. The other thing, too, is to go back to Jamie for a second. Uh, Ramsey meets Locke, I think, in the fourth season, and they have this, like, giddy party over Jamie's noises when he gets his arm cut off, and they're, like, celebrating and getting all excited. He is a twisted, twisted individual. <laughs> Joffrey, Joffrey was mean and uh, and arrogant, but like Ramsey, I think took it to a whole other level. He literally like enjoyed people's like noises when they were in pain. Like he's a weird guy. Yeah, I, I agree. This was this was tough for me, but I do think Ramsey's the answer here. Like the whole torture scene of Theon, not even scene, like that that extend over episodes. The like Sansa scene was still hard to watch. Like he you could tell he's just a perverse fucking character. Like he enjoyed doing all of that. And not only was he just sadistic, but like the arrogance that he had, like he just thought he was invincible too. So in that episode where he actually dies, it's just, it's so fulfilling. And you're right. The episode, you know, battle of the bastards, I think is a better episode. I will say I was more shocked when Joffrey died. Oh yeah. I mean, there's battle of bastards. You didn't think that Ramsey was going to get out of that. Right. Because John had died and was risen. And by that point we knew John obviously was here for the long haul. So you definitely knew Ramsey was going to die, but I think his death is more satisfying because it is a closure to a three or four season arc of this twisted torturer guy. And whereas, uh, Joff's death, I I call him Joff because he's, (laughs) He his death kind of opened the door. It was more of an opening, uh, a gateway, so to speak, for all these other, uh, you know, whether it's the Tyrells or the Martells, and then Danny, of course, finally getting over here in the last season. Uh, it really was a door opener. His death, whereas Ramsey's was a door closing. It was more uh, finite, I think, and that's what made it even more satisfying. Yeah, I agree. So the the other person I was going to throw in here was Littlefinger. Ooh. Does he compete, or is he just a good death that just it is what it is? Um, you know, I think Littlefinger's death was good, but I think that whole episode was kind of mangled. And I think the last season was very rushed. And so I can't put him in, I, I think it has to go battle, battle the bastards. And then, uh, the line in the rose and the, the purple wedding. And then it would be his death to be third. He might not even be dead, by the way, the odds have him at 10 to one to rule the kingdom. Yeah. Should, should we do this now? Should we get into yeah. Littlefinger? Yeah. Okay. Franny, what's your take? You think he's dead or alive? I think he's dead. Okay. I think, yeah, I think he's dead. Coulter? Arya took that knife to his neck and... That's that. Yeah. I think he's I, gone. I just, in six episodes, I view it as like a, a writing thing. Like, how can they possibly write him back in, uh-huh. into the show? They have, they have six episodes. It would be tomfoolery to, to add him back into the... I mean, there's 24 main characters. Adding another one to that list who's clearly dead, I don't know why that would be uh, why, why that would be the case. So I'll, I'll feed into the speculation because I did a lot of research on this particular theory. So before Littlefinger is executed, there's a scene where he's talking to a woman kind of in an alley in the shadows. You can't really hear... Uh, exactly what is said but um apparently according to the internet sleuths the woman says to Littlefinger your time is up and Littlefinger gives the woman what appears to be the same iron coin that Arya gives to Jockham in uh the as part of the faceless men so the theory goes that Littlefinger knew he was about to die he hired a faceless woman to take his place and he's still alive it's a juicy theory 
Juicy. I don't think it's true, though. I think what I do think is a possibility is Ario maybe will come back as Littlefinger uh, using his face and trying to, like, in, you know, infiltrate, uh, you know, King's Landing or, or Cersei or something like that. But I don't think Littlefinger is coming back the character himself. Yeah, it seems like to me that would be they just don't have enough time to, to fool around here. I mean, I, I just hope that they know what they're doing. And if, if they bring back Littlefinger, I hope they do it in a way where he contributes big uh, to the final stages of the show. I, I hope it's not just to bring him back, just to shock the audience, if that makes any sense. Yeah, and that kind of leads us to the next point is, you know, the faceless men. We had a whole storyline that seemed like almost like an entire season where Arya was was there training, and she's put it to use. You know, she's killed a lot of people on her list by being a faceless woman. Um, is that storyline over, or do we think we're going to see more from it? Franny, what do you think on that one? I think we're definitely going to see more from this, um, particularly her using different faces to kill people from her list or others. Um, I'm not sure how exactly, because I feel like, so she went blind. Yeah. And then was there any other kind of, I guess, like, not necessarily like punishment. Or like, like an initiation like, almost? Yeah, like, of like her going kind of rogue. I think that was it. Colter, was there anything that you remember as like a punishment? Not that I can recall. Okay. Yeah. So I, I think it's been resolved and like she we've seen her using the face lists to, you know, knock people off her list. So yeah. maybe yeah, that was maybe. she she's not using it in the way that they intended, but uh, similar to what we were just talking about with Littlefinger, like I don't know how much we want to spend time-wise bringing Jack and Agar back into the show, having mm-hmm. him try to retaliate uh against her for taking the faces. It's like, I think the fans just want to see her go on this rampage. And I think the showrunners would be, it would be a better idea to let, uh, you know, us have that, you know, oblige our thirst for her, her bloodlust, so to speak. And, uh, and not revisit this Bravos SO storyline. I think a lot of the worst parts of Game of Thrones, uh, happened over on that Island. And yeah, I, I for one will not need to go back there. I'd be happy if we stick in Westeros for the final six episodes. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay. So the next one I think is pretty interesting as well. Um, it's a really big theory. I think there's a lot that's going to be addressed for this, but do we think Bran is the Night King? Coulter, what do you got? Uh, I don't think he's the Night King right now starting the season, but I think we're going to see Bran kind of add to his arsenal and we might even see more of his past or him work into the past or something with the past. And that is where, you know, we will see him transform into the Night King in this, in this final season, I think, uh, rather than just have this happen off screen. Like when the eighth season starts, I don't think he's the Night King. And if he is, we need to be caught up big time. I mean, they need, they need to do some heavy lifting quick uh, if that's the case. But I, I do like the theory that he is, uh, he's can warg with the night King as kind of a fail safe of sorts for the kingdom. So if the night King wins, destroys Winterfell and uh, kind of just takes the throne uh, that brand is sort of this ace in the hole uh, type character where he can kind of warg into the night King's head and, and stop it from, from being final or something like that. Something along those lines where Brandon can be in his mind and, uh, and, and, and kind of manipulate the way he acts. 
Okay. Franny, what's your pick? Yeah, I think there's definitely some kind of connection between Bran and the Night King. Um, like Steven said, I don't think he's actually the Night King when we start off the season. Um, but in the previous seasons, I think like Night King will kind of like look whenever Bran is like warped into like some kind of animal or something. He'll like be flying as a bird in the sky and like Night King will just like look at him. And then also Night King like touched him. Yeah. And so I think I read somewhere that they were saying how the Night King has like one central target. Yep. And a lot of people think it's like John, but I think it could be Bran. Because they have some kind of connection. Yeah. And Bran can like warg into him or some shit. My guess with it would be that it's a Stark. And seeing John technically uh, is a Targaryen Stark and Bran is a Stark, I think the Night King could be coming for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I read that too, that the Night King is ultimately uh, a Stark relative, which is very interesting. I would be all in for that. I'm not sure how that works. My my brain can't compute that necessarily. <laughs> I do think uh, that adds a little juicy element to it. Um, so the next thing I do want to ask about the Night King is, do we ultimately think at the end of the show, the Night King is just going to win and everyone's dead? Because I'll revert back to one of our favorite villains, Ramsey Bolton, who said, if you think this has a happy ending, you haven't been paying attention. So what do we think here, Franny? You think the Night King just wipes everyone away and we just have eternal death? (laughs) See, I feel like that's, like, too easy, though. Yeah. You know, like, I guess, like, I still don't really understand what exactly the White Walkers want in the end. Like, what is their end game? Like, are they just trying to turn everyone into a White Walker and that's that? Like, end all humanity? I don't know. But, yeah, I, I do think it is going to be a dark ending but with some some light some light yeah yeah Coulter what do you think here yeah to kind of go to the odds here or just speaking a kind of an odd odds way uh the Night King has the highest chance of survival until the final episode I think because this show has been about what winter is coming (laughs) he can't he can't just get killed in the second episode of the last season and the army of the undead is beaten and then the plot becomes everyone's out for Cersei. I don't think that works. I think it works where in the first two to three episodes of this last season, he just wipes through characters like they're, uh, you know, nothing. And so I think his army is going to have a couple of victories and I think he's going to last the whole season. I, I just don't see a situation unless Bran wards into him and kills him or something like that. And then Bran is him, uh, I think Bran is the only one who's capable of killing him early. If not, he, this guy's marching all the way to King's Landing, and he's going he's gonna to definitely take some lives uh, while he's doing so. So I think there's yeah. a very high chance he wins because I don't see a scenario where he is not in the final at least two episodes. He has to be in the penultimate. He has to make it all the way to that. And then if you're thinking he's marching, you know, he's going in one direction, and that's uh, south. So. Yeah, th- he can't be killed off early. I think that just is that that's not compelling. They've built this up from the first scene of the first episode. So he's involved. I think it, the show is a grim show. I just don't think that ultimately at the end of the day, he's just gonna be sitting on the air and throwing everyone's dead and he's just manning this entire undead army. I, I just don't see that. I'm very compelled to see what's gonna happen, but it does segue into our next topic very well, which is the children of the forest. So they created the White Walkers. They are responsible for whatever the hell the Night King is. 
we kind of saw them a little bit. Do we think they're involved at all in this last season or is their storyline finished? Coulter, what do you think? Yeah, similar to the Essos and Bravo storylines, I don't really need to go back the other direction north of the wall. And so I don't see how the children of the forest uh, can, can play into it unless we have a storyline that's taking place north of the wall. I just don't I don't understand now that the wall has been broken down. I feel like all the plot has to be driving south towards Winterfell and then south towards uh, King's Landing as the, sh- the final six episodes play out. I think we'd be going backwards in a storytelling direction if we went back and revisited the Children of the Forest. I think, I mean, if you think of North of the Wall, Benjen Stark's dead. Uh, the Children of the Forest home was destroyed. Uh, you have Hord- Hodor was killed. All the people that were with Bran killed. Uh, Three-Eyed Raven's dead. So, I mean, what characters are there that we care about um, Egret's dead. Uh, Tormund arguably could have died at the end of last season. We don't know. So it's like, how do we get back to the children of the forest with someone we care? I guess Bran would be the only one because uh, he can warg, but I, I feel like his warging abilities are so much better off sticking with the main characters uh, in Westeros. All right, Franny, this is a big topic that you brought up. So what, <laughs> what, what's your take here? I think the history will definitely come into play. I don't know if they're necessarily still around, um, but I think we'll get kind of a better glimpse with Bran possibly looking back in the past, like being like, okay, where did we go wrong with this patch? Because, you know, the children of the forest, they created the White Walkers to defeat the first men. And then the men actually made a pact with the children of the forest. And then now the White Walkers are back. So it's like, how did this happen? What happened? Like, yeah. Where the hell did we go wrong <laughs> that the White Walkers are just marching toward us and yeah. trying to kill everyone? Okay. So I think there's definitely going to be some aspect there, but I don't necessarily know if, you know, there are still some children of the forest like roaming around. It'll be interesting to see how much they use uh, flashbacks in this last season, because uh, it seems to me, you're right, the, be- the best way to show the children of the forest would be in the past rather than the present. Uh, I can definitely see them coming up in, in a past storyline. I just don't know how many flashbacks we're going to be getting this season. Yeah, I feel like there's going to be at least one big one because we still really know nothing about the White Walkers. Like, we don't know what they're what they want, what their goal is. So I think incorporating the children of the forest somehow with like the creation or like maybe ultimately showing what happened back way back in the days could, could lend to some good storytelling. But yeah, I, I see your point Coulter. I don't know if we see that uh, in the present storyline or anything like that, but I think I'd be in for a flashback. It gives a little more, you know, background as to what exactly is happening. Uh, okay. So this is actually another good segue. Look at us guys. We're doing segues. <laughs> um, so we're just doing a little uh, conversations about potential flashbacks now, this is a potential flash forward, which would be, do we think John and Daenerys are going to have a baby? And if so, what kind of ramifications does that have? Franny, you want to start this one off? Sure. So they're definitely pregnant. She definitely has a bun in the oven. Oh, is she carrying low? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't seen it yet. Um, but I think she's definitely pregnant. Will we see the baby? I don't know. I mean, what's the timeline of like each episode, you know? And there's only six episodes. So yeah, I don't think we'll ever see the baby, but I think because she is pregnant that John will 
probably marry Danny. Ooh. Okay. And then they'll be some kind of, and she will be the legitimate queen. Yeah. Okay. So we marriage. So there's a pregnancy, but we don't necessarily see the baby. Yeah. Okay. But I think like at the end of seven or at the end of season seven, he basically like baited us and was like, you know, she's definitely going to be pregnant. That's true. You know? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Coulter, what do you make of this? You know, it makes sense that John and uh, Danny would be having a kid and that we'd be pregnant going into the last season because it would give us something to quote unquote fight for, you know, because otherwise, you know, what are we fighting for? Cersei's kingdom in the present day? Like we have to have some sort of future that we are building towards. Um, with that said, I don't want to see that kid uh, in the future. I, I do not want to see any sort of flash forward. I think, I think that the showrunners know from lost that flash forwards do not work and they kill momentum i just don't see how this would work at all especially if if we're going in the final episode and they just flash forward the final 20 minutes like a uh, lord of the rings type deal where it's just this weird future and the lighting the lighting is more bright and everyone's happy and smiling and everybody survived that just does not seem like game of thrones to me but I could be way off. No, I'd be so mad if they did that. And a flash forward is just lazy storytelling to me. Like it's just like they do that because they don't know how else to wrap up a show. So I would be really surprised that this show, which is known for its writing and it's like, you know, plot thickness. I would be so shocked if there's like, Oh, here's a flash forward and here's how things end. Like I'm not. Yeah. I think it also, um, one of the great things about game of Thrones, and I'm sure we'll talk about it where it ranks in the all time, uh, TV shows is that, they really, really were patient. And I think this is one of the top five things I have to show showing flashbacks. They really did not, they didn't want to do that. And I think the first one they showed was the first episode of season five uh, with Cersei. And they clearly did not want to lean on that as a storytelling device. And they've been very gentle about using the past and they've done it perfectly. They've only done it, I think four or five times and it's worked every time. And I like it in uh, very short rations uh, spread out over a lot of seasons. And the fact that we have not had a flash forward means that this would be the only flash forward in the series, which just does not jive with the show. We haven't seen the future uh, in this show. So it's like, why, why do that now in the, where the stakes are the highest to do this kind of a gimmick and storytelling? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I don't see it. So uh, we'll all, we'll all agree on that part. I don't think that's happening. All right, so let's get into the ultimate details. This is what everyone's been waiting for. This is why we're watching. What do we think is going to happen? So let's start. Let's go character by character. Um, hopefully, we, this all kind of ties in together with each other. But uh, let's start with the presumptive hero, Jon Snow. How do we see? his storyline ending. Franny, you want to start with this one? As much as I would like Jon Snow to live, I think he's going to die. And he has that character flaw of all trying to be like the hero and be the good guy. And so I could see him definitely like sacrificing himself either for like Danny and his future kid or for the good of the realm. He's going to die. I like it. Coulter, what do you make? I think John is going to be the one who ultimately kills the Night King. Uh, he seems like they seem like they've been on a collision course since uh, 
hard home. And uh, he seems like he's the most equipped. He's got the royal bloodline. He's just a killer. And uh, we've been with him for so long, and it just seems like such a great way to end his story with him killing the Night King. But he's he's wounded or something, uh, and I, I just see him – you know, he guts it out sort of like Maximus at the end of Gladiator where he's bleeding it, he's bleeding out of his gut, but he has the strength to uh, kill this villainous figure and uh, kind of save everybody uh, from the Night King's wrath or his reign, whatever you want to say. Colter, this is why I love having you on here because I literally <laughs> in my head was thinking Maximus. That That's the, the storyline I'm seeing is like ultimately he – uh, like leads the the fight against the Night King and he's like mortally wounded. So he defeats the Night King by seeing him dying on the battlefield. But like somehow it gets back with like Sansa and, and his like people are Danny and you know there's one sad moment left. It's so funny because I'm so critical of lazy writing when it comes to the flashbacks and flash forwards, but <laughs> I have no problem with the showrunners copying gladiator yes still gladiator <laughs> it's a fucking great movie for a reason <laughs> exactly okay so next up is danny what do we think happens to her colton you want to start with this one danny oh man it's so tough because it's like if she dies who kills her you know that's the, the that's the thing is like who kills danny if she dies uh and that is the i've been sitting on this for all week long trying to think of who would be the character that kills danny I just don't know. I, I, Cersei, I guess, would be my best guess. Maybe uh, Arya, but I just don't see her dying at the hands of either of those two women. And uh, so, therefore, I have to just say she doesn't die and she survives with the dragons and she she rules, maybe. I, I don't see her winning, though. I, that's the weird thing is I don't see her winning and I don't see her dying. So it's really confusing. I'm, I'm really muddled with where she's going to go. And I guess – She's been my least favorite character, believe it or not, throughout this show, but I'm actually most intrigued by her in the final six episodes because I really just don't know how she dies or or what her role will be if she lives because I don't see her ruling the kingdom, if that makes sense. Okay. Franny? Yeah, I don't see her ruling, but I do see her surviving, and I think she'll have her baby. I mean, I don't think we'll see it during this season but i think she'll be pregnant and surviving i think if she were to die i think the person that would kill her is not cersei but actually sansa whoa i like that i feel like sansa is kind of like uh i mean she was under she lived with cersei she learned from littlefinger she knows how to play the game and so i could see her like low-key being like I'm going to kill you. I like it. I like it. That's a good take. I actually do love that because it's like she sees the upcoming tyrant or she gets afraid that uh, Danny can become like Joffrey or something like that. And then she kills her. Yeah, that's I like that a lot. Okay, good job, Franny. Uh, I have an interesting take. Mine is a little different. I uh, I see her dying to the Night King. Mm. In like a really tragic way where she's kind of like falls victim to her her dead dragon. Like, yeah. I think somehow the dragon is going to like affect her in a ways that we didn't see necessarily at the end of, uh, you know, season seven. And she's going to think that maybe she can like bring the dragon back or something about the dragon is going to call her out and she's going to get tricked by the night King. That that's my take. I'm going to, I'm going to do a little segue here. Uh, the, the one thing I could see, I see a lot of sacrifices for characters, you know, people falling on the sword for one another. And I think I could see Danny, 
with the Night King killing her, I could see her dying for Tyrion or something like that, where she thinks Tyrion might be a better leader than she is or something. She starts to doubt herself in the final season as a, as a ruler. And uh, maybe she gives herself up and allows Tyrion to live. I mean, because it seems to me that the show has always been going towards Tyrion would actually be the best king because he's level-headed. And so maybe, I don't know, maybe she she ends up seeing that too. Uh, I think Jon already can see it somewhat too in his limited interactions with Tyrion throughout the show. So we'll see. That would be interesting. Well, we kind of touched on Sansa, so we got your take. Fran, you want to add to that one, or is that your, your ultimate take on Sansa? I think that's one of my takes on Sansa. I could also see her just living it out. I don't know. I, I honestly don't. I don't think she's going to be on the throne either. Um, but, yeah. Okay. Coulter? This is Sansa? Yeah. Um, I think that she, I think she dies early. Yeah. Based on the odds. I I mean, does she get back to King's Landing? That would be the question. If she can get back there, maybe she does make a play at the throne. I I just don't know if she has enough allies. I mean, who would be her army? I mean, the, the North soldiers have been just decimated throughout this show. So it's like, if she becomes the ruler, who is her army? She doesn't have an army. Danny has an army. John is a warrior, you know, Bran has capabilities of warging into people. Arya is a a warrior, but Sansa doesn't have any sort of power. And so it's like, if she's going to become king or get anywhere close to King's Landing, I feel like she has to have some support. All she has is Brienne, really, um, and not much else. Yeah, unfortunately, I see this going one of two ways and there's really no in between for me. She either dies a tragic early death, which would be like gut wrenching, or I see her taking the throne. Like, I I don't know that path. I don't know how that plays out. Like she's had the worst path of any character, arguably on that show. Like she's, she's terrible. So to see her now in power, she made the right decision on little finger. Like she advised John not to go, which I think will ultimately lead to John's death. Uh, I think she's kind of been like molded. Like Franny said, she's, you know, she learned under Cersei. She learned under Littlefinger. I think she's got that manipulative side where she could like use her power and she's so stark. So one of two things is happening. I don't know which is going to happen, but I don't see it playing out any differently. The more we talk through it, I actually do see her getting out of Winterfell because you, uh, Franny had mentioned the, uh, the trailer. It seems like she, she cedes control of Winterfell. She's not a soldier. So therefore, she's not going to hang around for that big battle that's going to happen up there with the Night King. So maybe she does get out of Winterfell in the nick of time, and maybe that does put her on the course to get to King's Landing. I just don't see how she invades King's Landing. I just don't get how she gets into to Cersei's chair without Cersei getting the better of her. But I guess that's why we were going to watch, because that would be fun. It would be fun <laughs> to see it happen. <laughs> All right. So the last three, let's do a quick. We're going to do like a, a hot take on each of the next three people. Uh, starting with Franny, we're going to go Cersei. She's going to die. Coulter, what do you think? She dies at the hands of Tyrion. Ooh, I like it. I think she dies at the hands of Arya. I think she dies at the hands of Jamie. <laughs> Three different takes. I love it. I was going to say, the Jamie one is the hot, uh, the hot take out on the internet. I, mm-hmm. I don't know. Tyrion has more issues with her, though. But right. I, could see, I could see Jamie being the queen killer as well as the, the king slayer. So we'll see. That'd be something. Okay, Arya, Franny. I'm hoping that she'll get through her list, 
Minus Cersei, I think Jamie will kill her. So. Okay. Yeah, I cool. think I think she'll survive. Okay, Coulter. The weird thing about her is, if you think about her list, it's the Hound and uh, the Mountain. They seem like they're destined to fight and kill each other, and Cersei seems destined to die by one of her brother's hands. So, does Arya complete her list? And if she doesn't, what does her storyline look like? Um, I don't know. I think she ends up staying and fighting for Winterfell, and maybe dying in the battle of some sort, and then maybe getting resurrected by the Night King. Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> That would be devastating. Because I don't, I don't think Maisie Williams, the actress, is. I, I don't see her not making the final episode. She will be in the sixth episode of of the eighth season of Game of Thrones. I'd put a hundred dollars on that. However, wow. is she going to be a corpse or a you know a living dead person? That's the that that's would the be so darn. Mm-hmm. I have a hot take. I uh, I think she is going to survive. Arya is going to, or uh, Sansa is going to be on the throne and Arya is going to be the hand of the queen. Boom. Boom. I like that. I think all that's right. the most satisfying for all the fans. That sure. would be satisfying, although this is a show that does not give the viewers a satisfying ending, but hey. Maybe they'll both die. They could both die. Let's be honest, all these characters could be dead by the end of this. Yeah. All right, our last one, Bran. Coulter, what do you got for Bran? Uh, Bran becomes the leader of uh, the Army of the Dead. He becomes the biggest general in Westeros' history and drives the Army of the Dead back beyond the wall and repatches the wall, maybe, as Bran the Builder, something like that. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I feel like Bran plays the hero role where he kind of like uh, like has a shield of sorts where he stops the Night King and the army and puts them back where they need to be uh, north of the wall. Okay. Franny? Yeah, I think he definitely wargs with the Night King at some point. I don't know if that means he drives him away or if that just means he's won all of Westeros and that's that. I don't know. I can't. This is the only character I don't know what to make of. Like, I like the idea of him being the Night King. So I'm going to back that. How it happens, I don't know. The only other alternative I see is like he just truly takes on the role of the three-eyed raven. He like drops some like insane knowledge on like John or Danny or somebody, and then he just disappears and he lives his life as a three-eyed raven. <laughs> yeah, I could see actually of all the characters <laughs> dropping out of the storyline uh entirely, I could see it being Bran, where he doesn't make it to the final episode where he yeah. just ends up like kind of like disappearing into the wind, so to speak. I could I could see that. The other yeah, thing I, I I really like, I really, really like from, and I touched upon it earlier is that first episode, Jamie throws Bran out of the window. Jamie is heading North in the final episode of last season. I would love to see Jamie sacrifice himself for Bran. I think that would be just an amazing TV moment where somebody's coming to kill Bran. Jamie steps in front of, let's just say it's a dead soldier or whatever. Someone, somebody with the night King, Jamie takes this, the knife or sword to the chest Bran survives. Jamie sacrifices himself for him. I would love to see that. I like that. I like that a lot, actually. Uh, okay. Um, do we have any like parting thoughts on what's ultimately going to happen? I know we covered most of the characters, but do we want to add anything to that, or are we leaving it at that? I think we wait and see what happens. Yeah, Coulter. I, I'm I'm so ready for Sunday. I, I've been I binged a little of season three last night. Man, that show was humming back in season three. It was so good. Uh, when Jamie loses his hand and he's with Brienne and uh, they throw Brienne in the bear pit and he goes back and saves her at that moment is, I mean, talk about an irredeemable character getting redemption. It is just delightful. 
just yeah. amazing, amazing set of episodes there in the mid season of season three. All right. So we're going to leave the listeners with a little bit of rankings because now we're saying goodbye to one of the all time best shows. Uh, I'm going to have you all list off your top five favorite shows. And if Thrones cracks your top five. So Franny, do you want to you take the lead here? <laughs> sure. So my top five and don't judge me for any of these. <laughs> um, number one, Breaking Bad, followed by Friends. And then I put Game of Thrones as third. And then Parks and Rec. And this is the one that you're probably going to judge me for, but Gossip Girl. Say that a little louder in the microphone, please. (laughs) Get that one on record. XOXO, Gossip Girl. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, I'll be honest. I've never seen an minute of Gossip Girl. Um, I think you've been good, though. Yeah. You haven't seen either, Coulter? (laughs) No. I want to. I want to call out on our uh, show notes that we have as an agenda. Franny put in parentheses. Don't judge me, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's good though. Besides Gossip Girl, which I haven't seen, so I'll, I'll reserve judgment. I think it's a very strong, very strong list. It's yeah. It hits the the comedy of the sitcom with Friends and Parks and Rec. I do this with movies too. It's so hard to split dramas and comedies and rank them because it's just they're so radically radically different and that is it's the it's a tragedy that we have to even list things off (laughs) comparing a parks and rec to breaking bad it's like yeah how can you you even do that it it does but both are amazing they're both amazing (laughs) series it's just they just are so not the same (laughs) my thing is like i have a really short attention span so if I have to pay attention for a really long time, it's like, it's not going to go well for me, really which good. is, which is surprising that like Breaking Bad and Game of Thrones has been able to make it on my list. Yeah. But that just goes to show. Oh, Breaking, Bad, Breaking Bad is like so frenetic and, and jumpy. It, it's like crack. Once it really you, is. Once you settle into that, talk about a binge worthy show. It's, um, it's probably the most binge worthy of all. Oh, definitely. All right. Well, that's a good segue. Colton, you want to give us your top five? Yeah, to, your, to the, what I was just saying about the comedies, I had to include one, and it probably actually is my number one show of all time, seeing I've been watching it since I was like 10, which is not an appropriate age to start this show. But my five, my number five show is South Park, and with the biggest uh, sort of star next to that is it really is my number one, but I have to put it five just because I think there's a Mount Rushmore of TV shows, and unfortunately a comedy just can't. A comedy can't be president. So these four shows are the presidents of, of television. They're the Mount Rushmore. And uh, four is Breaking Bad. I think it's a great show, but it, 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 I can never get Skylar out of my head. She's just not a good, <laughs> no- she's just not a good enough character. Uh, and I, I'm just going to leave it at that. I don't think the actress is good. And the writing is amazing, but she played way too much of a factor in the final couple seasons for me to rank it higher than the other three. Third is going to be The Sopranos, and I should note that this list changes every single week of my life. Back in January, I was rewatching The Sopranos, and it was by far and away number one on my list. Uh, but si- similar to Breaking Bad, it has some sort of it has some characters that are not great. Bobby Bacala is one of them. The actor is just not good. We spend way too much time with him, so it it it, it can't be two or one. It probably will be number one by the end of the week, though. I'll, I'll probably change <laughs> that. Uh, it, it, it really does rotate. 
The Wire is number two. I think the most perfect show ever made uh, really is the American tragedy spelled out over five seasons, and it really investigates and explores uh, the police, uh, all sorts of different things, you know, the crime world, uh, journalism, schools, education, the docs. It really just it, it isn't afraid to roll up its sleeves and uh, do the hard work where some of these other shows kind of gloss over the the nitty gritty aspects of the human world. I think the characters are all perfect. There's not a weak link in that show. And uh, and uh, that's why it's number two above Sopranos and Breaking Bad uh, also just has just an amazing lineup of uh, actors, characters. And then number one is Mad Men for me. Again, Sopranos held this spot a couple of months ago, but I was just rewatching Mad Men uh, fifth season. Just it, the show makes you cry sometimes because it's so tragic and it's, there's something about it that's so friggin' American. It really is the American dream kind of uh, broken apart in a sense. And it's just such a great character study. There's no, there's no greater character than Don Draper, in my opinion, as good as Tony Soprano was. I think Draper, took it to another level. And uh, there's just something beautiful about watching that, that era of the fifties and sixties depicted on TV and something just, again, so American about that show. It, I don't think it resonates with the rest of the world, but it definitely resonates uh, here in the United States. That's for sure. You said that way better than I could have. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you're on the show, Coulter. <laughs> I, I, I think about Mad Men when I'm working, when I'm at the gym. Like I, I'm constantly thinking of that show, and I do think about The Wire sometimes too, uh, for different reasons. But Mad Men, yeah, that it, it's like a haunting ghost. It, it really is like a ghost. It, it sticks with you long after you're done watching it. It's a fantastic show. So what's interesting is you, you both touched on some things about my list so i didn't include any comedies because for me again it's impossible to include comedies with the, the dramas that we're comparing them to so i left them off if comedies were Seinfeld and curb enthusiasm would be one and two so let's just put it at that a lot of overlaps on my list though so for me number five is mad men um and i will say coulter i'm with you these change as i watch them as like you know the the re-watching of these shows so Mad Men was able to do something that, like, the other shows on my list uh, achieved, but there's no guns, there's no, like, killing, there's no real, like, are people about to die? That's what makes it so good, is you're so, you care so much, but there's no Ozymandias in Mad Men. Yeah. There's no hook. It's, oh, it's so It just relied so well on the writing and the acting, so that's why I got it for five. I got Thrones at four. Uh, maybe it's because it's, it's the show I've seen the least out of the, the ones on my list. Um it's incredibly rewatchable. It's incredibly nuanced. There, there's so much like political drama backstab. Like it's just everything about Thrones works. I hope they can end on a high note. So I've got it at four for me is number three, breaking bad. That show, I think you touched on it, Coulter. It's the most rewatchable of these. Like you can just binge that show so hard. The that, act- was the, that was the first binge. I think that was the first show culturally that everyone binged. Yeah. Sure. I, I came into it late, and I actually binged like all the first four seasons before season five me, on TV. Me too. I, I definitely the first couple on Netflix. Uh, yeah, it was it was an amazing run for sure. Yeah, and and for me now the last the top two they rotate literally on a seasonal basis depending on what I'm watching. Number two right now I've got The Wire. It's just a perfect show start to finish. The characters like the whole city of Baltimore is the true character of that show. 
the, the 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 other like street characters like you got Alzheimer's like Omar Stringer Avon like they're just incredible characters so I got that as number two but for me number one is the Sopranos the Italian culture just the dark humor Tony Polly Walnuts like Sylvia it just all everything about that culture I just kind of I, I related to I grew up loving watching Goodfellas and The Godfather and that kind of mafia stuff so. it's the most enjoyable for sure it it makes you laugh it makes you think uh it and it has been number one on my list multiple times and it it was the og too so i always i always like giving it the respect it deserves uh it really is it's such a watchable show and once you put it on you're just right back in that world and it's so good i think i think all the shows that we mentioned it's like you're living in the world and it's that's what makes them stand out really the most I think with Game of Thrones, it's not on my list is because I just have, I've always I always knew it was a, a home run show ever since the first episode. I knew this was going to be a big one. Uh, but for some reason, I've never been able to, like, connect because it's not rooted in the real world, if that makes sense. And so it's like I can relate to Don Draper and, and uh, Tony Soprano a lot more and, and Walt uh, White a lot more than any of the characters in Game of Thrones. I don't know why I think that way, but I've always had this kind of like disconnect with like, I'm, it's not my world. It's just like pure entertainment. If that makes sense. No, it's fair. All right. That's a wrap guys. That's game of Thrones. We are uh, anxiously looking forward to it. We're going to be watching along with everyone else. So uh, for Annie Coulter, thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. That was a pleasure. Yeah. Thanks Ryan. <laughs> All right guys. That's a wrap on our game of Thrones preview.